The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. Sorry for that little glitch there, but uh, that's the hazards of doing uh, live shows. Uh, welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on this beautiful Friday. I was a little frazzled uh, for this show. Uh, I always keep a one liter bottle of water on my desk. And right before uh, we went live, I just knocked over that full, absolutely full one liter water, water bottle. So it's all over the floor over here. But you know what? Like I said, it's just live uh, live shows. Uh, what can you what can you say? You just uh, you, you roll with it. So in today's uh, in the zone segment, uh, we'll be discussing the science behind whether thoughts actually reprogram or program your genes to respond a certain way. Now, I know that may sound far-fetched for a lot of people out there, but um, just there, but um, just just hang tight. Um, it's going to be an interesting show. I'm really excited about uh, showing, showing you some things that I've discovered uh, since I started researching for this show. Uh, but before we get started, let's recap um, yesterday's interview. Um, our guest expert, uh, Nim Stant, uh, shared with us um, her journey from stinking thinking to developing what she calls a go-all-in mindset. Uh, in regard to uh, the go-all-in mindset, one of the most interesting concepts she spoke to us about was what she called exercising the failure muscle. Uh, she explained that when we exercise the muscle of failure over the course of years, over, over time, it can have a, a snowball effect, she called it, uh, causing you to eventually hit, to eventually hit rock bottom. Um, she shared her own personal journey regarding uh, exercising the muscle of failure and how she was speaking things over her life that negatively impacted her health and led to numerous health challenges. She said she was sick almost every single month. And it progressed to the point where at, at the end, before she finally realized what was going on, that she ended up with a severe case of pneumonia. Uh, then uh, Nim went on to explain some ways in which we can move from exercising the muscle of failure to rewriting the scripts that we tell ourselves. Um, here's some ways that she told us that we can do this. Uh, you have to give up to grow up, she said. And in order to do this, you sign up for inconvenience. You have to sign up for inconvenience. Um, not, um, not everything in life is comfortable, even though we want it to be. Uh, sometimes you have to go where the discomfort is and sign up for that inconvenience. You have to become a role model. This is the number two thing she shared with us. You have to become a role model for yourself. Um, and the third thing she shared with us is you have to commit first and figure it out later. Um, I, I thought those were beautiful points there. Another interesting thing that uh, Nim shared with us was the reason people stay stuck is that they want to be accepted. Um, I, I, I've, I've got to be honest, over, over, over the years of doing clinical practice, I've heard 
thousands of reasons uh, why people get stuck over the years. But I had never heard this one, you know, that people want it. They get stuck because they want to be accepted. So I asked. So I asked Nim to explain that. And she went on to tell us and share with us that the basic human need for acceptance will oftentimes keep a person stuck because it's simply more comfortable to knock rock the boat. Um, and it's more comfortable to be accepted by those in our circles of influence, as well as be accepted, you know, with our self, self-acceptance and, and just stay where we are. It's more comfortable to be that way. So in order to preserve acceptance, we just won't rock the boat. Uh, when she put it this way, just about every single one of the thousands of reasons that I've heard over the course of my career could pretty much be summed up under that category. Um, and then lastly, Nim shared with us how she sets and keeps um, intentions for goals top of mind, top of mind. Uh, she issued a challenge to all of us to uh, every day, wake up, set two or three goals that you want to focus on for that day. And you can you can do this repeatedly. You can have the same two or three goals for a week or two weeks or a month. But focus on the same goals every day and you can set that intention in the morning. And then for every hour in your day, set an alarm on your phone that when that alarm goes off, you just pause for a moment and in your head, you just review those two or three goals and then you go on about your business. So it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not really time consuming. Uh, those are just a few examples of the, the wonderful things that Nim shared with us during her interview. If you missed her interview, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was chock full of amazing uh, insights and nuggets and, and wisdom. So go back and listen to that. So now let's let's shift gears and let's explore gears and let's explore how what Nim shared with us fits into the Genesis zone. Uh, spinning off of what Nim had to share about mindset or thinking, you know, shifting from that stinking thinking uh, frame of mind to a more healthy, um, positive frame of mind. Um, and, and I want to talk about the effect of your thoughts on your genes. So is it possible to modify the expression of your genes through your thoughts? Now, expression may be a new word, and it's probably not like you, you think it is when it comes to genes. Gene expression is basically how do the, how do the genes react or, uh, or, or how do they behave when a certain stressor or a certain stimulus comes in and, and, and triggers that gene and, and triggers that gene. That's called expression. Uh, that's the question. Uh, that will answer is, is it possible to modify the expression of your genes through thoughts? Um, hopefully by the, the end of the episode today, you'll, you'll have an answer for that. Uh, at least that's what I'm planning on. Uh, so let's roll up our sleeves and, and dive in. Up until four or five years ago, very little interest was given to uh, the environmental impact on our genes. But since then, the, the field of science, which has become known as epigenetics, has exploded. Now, 
epigenetics is that 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 study of the environmental impact on our genes and it's taken off like wildfire in fact if you look in the science fields every every area of research there are more dollars being put into epi- being put into epigenetic research than any other field of study at this point and the reason that is is because when the human genome project ended um some of the researchers that had worked on that projects for two project for two decades were very disappointed. In fact, less than 10%. Well, let me back up. What they wanted to find was they were hoping to unlock the human genetic code and find the answer for chronic illnesses within your genetics. What they didn't find was that less than 10% of chronic illnesses, cancer, and cancer is lumped up into that as well. Uh, Cancer, chronic illnesses, childhood, um, you know, illnesses that a child is born with are attributed to genetics. So that at first, once they initially thought this is a failure, they're like, no, 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 no. There's a learning experience from this. What can we take away from this? What can we, can we take away from this? What can we learn? And and that's how the field of epigenetics was born because they were they were thinking, okay, if these diseases do exist and we've unlocked the genetic code and the answer's not there, then are there things that influence the genes to act a certain way? And the answer, as it turns out, uh, as we're learning, is resounding yes. So now when we uh, when you think of environmental impacts, I know it's easy for your mind to wander to things like, air, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, uh, chemicals uh, that we're exposed to either on our skin or uh, inhaled or uh, ingested, uh, dyes that may be in our food supply, uh, foods themselves, whether they be genetically modified consumables or pesticides or herbicides, all of those things come into play in our mind when we think of environmental impacts. So here's where it gets really interesting. In the past, interesting, in the past two to three years, really, um, there's been this peaked interest and a, a growing research uh, uh, thrust in the area of the, the internal environment. And so that's where you see the research about the microbiome or the human gut coming out of because epigenetics is this umbrella under which nutrigenomics falls and microbiology uh, microbiomology falls, uh, the study of the microbiome and so on and so forth. So, and all those are, those are internal triggers. The microbiome is this internal environment, but of, of, of more interest has become the human psyche. Does the human psyche, in other words, does, do your thoughts, does your cognition, does it have an impact on your genes? And the the theory is that it possibly does. So uh, it does. So um, more specifically, researchers have looked because they've got to have something measurable that they can say, okay, this was done and this is what we measured. So they started looking at mindfulness meditation um, and the impact of mindfulness and meditation on your genes and how those genes are expressed once they're exposed to mindfulness and meditation practices. Now, usually when a new field of science emerges, uh, especially when it's very sub-niched like this one is, researchers will develop uh, theories uh, or working hypotheses 
uh, and models and, and build out models, structures for how they think uh, or perceive that things work in the human body. Now, this is not unusual. This is not new at all. Uh, in fact, it's, it's the basic premise of modern day science um, to develop um, to develop a theory or a working hypothesis or develop a working model. Uh, in fact, you only have to you don't have to look very far. Um, if there are any people on this on this uh, listening to this today that uh, have medications in their medication cabinet, the field of pharmacology is built 100 percent off of theoretical models. Uh, you may be scratching your head. So, no, 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 no. I take that medication from a blood pressure and I know it lowers my blood pressure. Yes, that is true. But it's working off of a theoretical model. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but the field of pharmacology is really a best guess scenario. Uh, let me let me put it to you this way. Um, if if it were perfect, if it were exact would there be side effects with medications? I mean, the answer is probably no, but it's the reason why one person can take a medication they do perfectly fine with it. Another person can take it and they have this long list of side effects, this long list of side effects. It's because we work off of these theoretical frameworks that somewhat pigeonhole people into uh, these boxes. And even when we look at mindfulness and meditation effect on genes and these theoretical models, they're still somewhat boxes, but they're a good place to start. But uh, again, I, I digress. Back to the models related to mindfulness and meditation. I, I'm not going to bore you with in great detail about the theoretical models of, of, of your thoughts and gene expression, but I do want to talk about one of the earliest models that was developed and one of the newest models that has come out in the past year. Um, in early 2014, um, a, a model developed by Hakan Nielsen, uh, he, he wrote a paper titled A Four-Dimensional Model of Mindfulness and Its Implications for Health. Now, in this, in this article, he outlined a model uh, and, the four, uh, and the four dimensions were the physical dimension, the spiritual dimension, the social dimension, and the existential dimension. Um, he went on to further uh, divide them up into Western mindset and Eastern mindset uh, in, 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 those, in those dimensions. And one of the most interesting parts of the article was the fact that he placed epigenetics in the existential domain. Now, don't worry about all this stuff. Existential just seems means to uh, it just points to existence. Uh, that's what existential means. Um, so if you ever hear the term, oh, it's an existential threat, it means it was a threat to your existence. Uh, but in this existential domain, in this model, he put epigenetics in the existential domain, not the physical domain like you would expect him to have, have done to, to put that in there. No, he put it in the existential do domain. Even more interesting was the fact that he approached it from a very Eastern philosophical, a very Eastern philosophical uh, mindset, and he gave it a spiritual category designation. Um, uh, very, very interesting that the foundation of uh, of creation is through through our genes. I mean, when you're formed in your mother's womb, you you get half your genes from your dad, half your genes from your mother, and you are formed. So it is very existential. It's how you exist. So um, very, very well done. And interesting that he that he said that it was a, a more spiritual component. Now let's fast forward to June of 2020 when Mauricio Maloney and Jack Reynolds wrote their paper titled uh, Thinking Embodiment with Genetics. 
That's thinking embodiment with genetics. In their article, they discussed the concept of embodied cognition. Now, let's don't get bogged down in all of that, but embodied cognition advocates that cognition, in other words, your thoughts and your memory are shaped and structured, shaped and structured by dynamic interactions between your brain and all the cells in your body, and also both the physical and social environments. So the physical environment within responds to the physical environment without and the social environment without. This is embodied cognition. And it's it's actually a growing field in and of itself that they're they're studying this in, in relationship to dementia research. Um, they propose that epigenetics are remarkably intertwined with cognition at the cellular level throughout the entire body. Now you would think, I mean, that's counterintuitive to what you would think because you would think that, okay, yeah, cognition is very brain centered, but their theoretical model is that it's throughout the entire body, that all cells have this memory. And, and, and we've known that. I mean, if, if you work out, if you worked with a personal trainer, they'll say, oh, personal trainer, they'll say, oh, oh, you've got your muscle memory. You, you start working out, you're really, really sore. And they'll say, oh, but your muscle memory's there. You used to work out several years ago. It'll come back really, really quickly. And that's kind of the framework that they're working off of here is that our cells have this memory, this ability to respond to thought uh, and the ability to think themselves. And, and I think it's very, very bright that they're doing that. But again, these are theoretical models, and you—I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, "So what?" Big whoop. Um, and I and I get it. Uh, I when I was in school, they would teach us these theoretical models, and then they would teach us the application. Um, and I was very disinterested in theoretical models until recent years, sadly enough. But uh, they—they've actually shown to be very useful. And I'm going to show you how, based off of, off of some of these theoretical models. Um, there was an, another study that was published just in the past couple of years. Um, I won't go into the long title of it. Uh, the first part of it, uh, the first part of it just says epigenetic response to mindfulness. Very, very long title. I'm not going to read it to you. It doesn't matter. If you want to know, you can direct message me and I'll give you the, the title of it and the authors. But these authors, this group of researchers found a consistent, this is key. This is, this answers the question for today's show. They found a consistent association of long-term meditation practices with an improvement in lipid and insulin metabolism, get this, via epigenetic modification of 43 methylation pathway genes. That's critical, guys. So yes, mindfulness, your thinking, your thoughts, they have a positive impact on your genes. And, and what do we mean by lipid metabolism and insulin metabolism? I won't get all off into lipid metabolism per se, but insulin metabolism is pretty relatable for people because type 2 people, because type 2 diabetes is so prevalent. Um, and it takes 10, 15, 20, 30 years to develop type 2 diabetes, and it, it starts with insulin resistance. Well, what this study is saying is that we are improving insulin metabolism. Therefore, we're decreasing insulin resistance. Therefore, and it is an assumption, but therefore, long term, we are decreasing this person's risk for developing type 2 diabetes. This is huge. And interestingly, many of these same mindfulness genes, the 43 methylation pathway genes, uh, 
that were that responded to mindfulness meditation. They actually tested 96 altogether, but many of the same mindfulness genes that they tested also interact with genes that are known to regulate psychiatric disorders like depression and anxiety and panic and bipolar disorder and cardiovascular disease and atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries and even cancer. Uh, so the researchers at the end of their paper, they said, listen, this has kind of blown this field of science wide open. We need to do more research. We need to understand, does mindfulness affect psychiatric disorders positively? Does mindfulness affect cardiovascular disease positively? Does it affect cancer positively? Because we know it interacts with these genes now, and we just need to look at these specific parameters to see whether or not there's improvement. So more research definitely needs to be done uh, in order to understand the depth of mindfulness practices on genetic expression. But the answer to today's question, can thoughts reprogram your genes? The answer is a resounding yes. The answer is a resounding yes. Um, still early in its infancy as far as research goes, but the answer is yes. Now, it, it is a leap to assume the opposite. So this study talked about the positive impacts. And in research and science and, and medical practice, you never make assumptions. Um, so it's an assumption to say that negative thinking can have a negative impact on your health or a negative impact on your genes. And I would never draw that conclusion from this study. However, common sense tells us that this is the likely case scenario. Uh, and that's just a personal reflection. That's not a professional reflection. That's a personal reflection. And, I, you know, it's one of those things that I think will be found out over time and it should be explored more. In the meantime, uh, I'll stick with my personal and professional mantra when it comes to when it comes to epigenetics and what do we do with epigenetics? Um, my mantra is this control what you can control and don't obsess over the rest. And I know the word control is like one of those words that people are like, oh, they kind of cringe when they hear it. But no, we need to modify, maybe that's a better word, uh, modify what we can and don't obsess about the rest. Uh, so when we talk about what you can modify or control, um, we can modify our thoughts. As evidence from this study, uh, we can practice mindfulness, we can practice meditation and we know that that's going to have a positive impact on lipid metabolism and insulin metabolism. Um, and, and exercising these mindfulness meditation muscles are just like exercising any other muscle. In fact, Nim Stant in her interview put it so eloquently, she called it innercising. Um, when you're working on that, when you're working on that, doing that inner work, working on the thoughts, uh, she called that innercising versus exercising. And I thought that was beautiful. Um, and once we can get the inner sizing routine down, then we can start to put measures in place that improve our body and we can understand our genetic makeup and, and, and become more optimal human beings. Um, if, if you're at a place where you don't feel that, um, you're as optimized as you'd like to be, uh, you're not alone. Uh, I, I know it's easy to think that, um, I'm in this alone. Nobody else has this problem, but there are a lot of people walking around out there that are high achievers. They get a lot done every day, but at the end of the day, they just feel drained. They don't feel right. 
Um, they're, they're tired. They're moody. They're irritable. They're edgy. Uh, they don't have anything left for anybody else. And I'm not saying the be all end all answer. The all end all answer is understanding your genetics, but it sure as heck is a good place to start. I mean, I've got stories that I could tell you for days about clients that have been able to come off of antidepressants, anxiety medications, uh, even cholesterol medications and blood pressure medications, simply because we understood their genetics and we put a plan in place that actually helped them come off of those things. And those things have side effects. You know, antidepressant medications make you feel groggy a lot of times. Uh, blood pressure medications make you feel groggy. Cholesterol medications, they deplete uh, a chemical called CoQ10 in your body, which depletes your mitochondria of the, the, the fuel that it needs to, to produce energy. So, I mean, there these medications that we prescribe aren't without consequence. So why not lay the foundation there by understanding the genetics and uh, nutritionally supporting those genes? If you want to know more about how to nutritionally support your genes, nutritionally support your genes, I'm certainly available anytime. Just direct message me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Brian G. Brown. Or you can uh, use the message feature on my website. I'd be glad to talk to you through that. Uh, go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash contact and fill out the little form. And it's like takes two seconds to do and uh, shoot me over a message. Um, I, we're doing something new here on the Genesis Zone show. Um, switching gears a little bit in that um, if you want to submit a question and you want to have that question answered on the show on Friday shows, I'm doing a Q&A segment. So um, I, I don't have any questions to go over today that have come in. But if you have questions that you want to submit, no question is stupid. Hear me when I say that. And you can go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash question. Ask your question. Hit the hit the button right there in the middle of the page. Ask your question. And, uh, and uh, who knows? You might hear it um, answered live on the next In the Zone segment on, on Fridays. Um, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern standard time for our next wellness warriors interview segment, where I'll be interviewing another surprise guest and we'll continue exploring ways in which you can optimize for higher performance. Uh, most informed, most trusted, and most grateful that you spent this time with us today until next time. Stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown.